on October 14, 2003 in Chicago at Wrigley Field Stadium. It, it was a game like no other game. It was the Chicago Cubs versus the Marlins, and it was the best of seven-game series. All they had to do was win this game, and they would have been in the World Series. Up comes the bat, bat up, the player for the Marlins, and his name was Luis Costello. And what was amazing about him was he was a pinch hitter. He wasn't even a main hitter, but he was one of the best hitters, pinch hitters in the whole league. And he hits the ball, and this player named Moises Alou was for sure going to catch the ball. And he's running as fast as he can. He's got his eye on the ball, and he reaches up like this, and right before he catches it, a fan interference comes. And, I mean, he got so mad, he was screaming stuff. Nobody knew what he said, but I'm sure it wasn't very good. It wasn't Christ-like, but anyways, he was just yelling, and he would have definitely had the ball. And today, we're going to be in the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, and I want to talk to you about trials when they come into your life. And I know this passage is specifically about proving that Jesus is the Messiah and he is who he says he is, but I also think it's equally or maybe a little bit less about when Jesus is obviously you're going through temptations and trials. So in chapter 1 of the book of Mark, it proves this because it states the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Notice it says Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That is very important as we go through this passage. So let's read the text together, and we'll dive right into it. And the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was, in the ship. And there was also with him another little ship. And there arose a great storm and wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hender part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they wake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? Let let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I lift all this stuff up to you. It's not my words, but it's your words. Please anoint me in spirit and in truth and let me speak what you want to speak. Please bless everyone as we go through this service and allow them to get what you want them to receive. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What is really important about this passage is, in verse 35, it talks about on the same day Jesus was teaching, and he must have been so tired. I mean, he was teaching through the whole entire first, this whole entire chapter of Mark. It shows him teaching them about parables and teaching them all these different things. And so many people wanted to hear Jesus preach and teach that, that they came, and he had to get onto a boat because so many people wanted to hear him preach and teach. So I just thought that was amazing. And he taught all these wonderful things, like the parables and different things that were just outstanding. And I'm sure at this point, Jesus was just so tired, but yet he still wanted to cross, go across the Sea of Galilee and get to the other side. 
And, and, it, and it says specifically, on the same day when Jesus was come, he said unto them, let us pass over onto the other side. Again, I'm sure Jesus was so tired. However, him and all the 12 disciples got onto this boat and went to pass over the Sea of Galilee. In verse 36, it says they, meaning Jesus and all the disciples. It didn't just say one disciple, it said all of them, got onto this boat and sent, sent the multitude away. And, and went across the Sea of Galilee, and thus their journey began. You know, in my life, I had a lot of journeys to get to the point I'm at, and it's amazing that God uses me in this way. But growing up, I loved Adam Sandler so much. And I don't know if you've ever seen any of his movies, but he was my favorite comedian growing up. I mean, it was like me and my brothers were best friends with him. It was like we knew him. And there was one movie called Billy Madison. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen it, but it's a movie about this rich kid who ends up having to go back to school, basically to prove to his dad he's not a fool. But there's a scene in the movie that's very relatable to this point because Adam Sandler's calling all the kids that he bullied and he's basically telling them, hey man, I'm, I'm sorry for what I did. And it shows this scene, and obviously Jesus didn't have a kill list, but it shows this scene of this guy crossing off Adam Sandler's name on the kill list. And while the disciples are on this, are on this boat, you'll understand why I brought that up because I mean, they must have been so fearful it talks about how the disciples were in the boat and all sorts of water were coming up onto the boat and Jesus was nowhere to be found. And it specifically says that the disciples came to Jesus and woke him and said something very interesting, and that is, Master, don't you care that we're going to perish? I know Jesus didn't have a kill list like Adam Sandler did. That was a little silly, obviously, but I'm sure that's how the disciples felt. They must have been so worried, so fearful, and they still can't even believe that they're with Jesus. They still obviously don't fully trust him based off the text, and yet they're still with him, and they're running to Jesus. And it must have been such a cute and such an amazing situation because you see Jesus laying there, and he has his pillow on, on, a head, on, his, I mean, his pillow on top, his head on top of a pillow, and he's literally in the back part of the boat, just sleeping away as if nothing's happening. And he wakes up, and what is so beautiful about this part is he wakes up and says three very simple words, peace, be still. And nobody else would ever say that. You could never have predicted Jesus would say that, but it just shows that he is fully man and fully God. And that is something that is so important throughout the whole book, the whole book of Mark, really. It shows that Jesus can calm the seas and really be in control of heaven and earth. So whether you're having emotional sadness, anger, or disillusion, or things that are just not, 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 you're not feeling like Jesus is there, he's always there no matter what. And what was causing the disciples to be shaken? Oh, yeah. So oftentimes we could, we, we could be right with Jesus and lack faith. I know, that, I know that sometimes I'm human. We're all human. We live in a fallen and broken world. And there's definitely times in our life where we can lack faith. And that's something that we don't want to do. That's something that we have to pray every day. God, give us the strength to keep on going throughout this passage. And something that is really important to me is that Jesus says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And if I was with Jesus, I'd want to say that, hey, maybe I would have faith, but would I really? Maybe that's something that the Lord would want me to humble myself and maybe throughout this passage realize, hey, I need to draw closer to the Lord. Because in my life, 
Lord knows I'm not perfect. Whenever I'm hungry or tired, sometimes I can be angry and say, Dad, if I just go to bed, I'll be much more pleasant. And then the next day, I'm like transformed. And my dad could attest to that. So it's just something that's really important to me that as we go through this passage, we need to understand that no matter what, Jesus, no matter what, Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. And the next part is, is so just outstanding. And they... they and it says that they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? I couldn't even imagine getting to be with Jesus and see him teaching all day and then sleeping and the wind just stops. That must have been like a road to Damascus type experience. Just the whole disciples must have been like, wow, I can't, at disbelief, they were probably talking back and forth to each other. And... That, that, that's another thing that's really important as we, as we continue is that we, we need Jesus. Without him, we are nothing. And that's, I think, what God is really teaching, that even when there's a really tragic thing that happens in our life and we ask God, why do we have to go through this? And that's definitely an honest reaction. I think that God is telling us that I'm with you. There was a really famous football player, and his name was Inky Johnson, and he was 10 games away from literally making it to the world, making it to the NFL. He just had to play his last 10 games and he would have made it. But halfway through his, his last 10 games, he got injured, a career-ending injury, and his right arm and hand got paralyzed and he was saying, God, just let me get there. I wanna go, just get, let me get there and let me be a millionaire and then redirect me. And God said, no, I need you to go this way. And he was saying, are you serious? You want me to go that way? I want to go this way. And God said, no. And if you only knew how amazing what things happened in this guy's life because he trusted the Lord, even through that storm, he still has a white paralyzed arm and hand, and I'm sure there's some surgery he could get. But his dad got saved because of it. Multiple family members got saved. He's a pastor now and a preacher. And he said, I knew that this is what I was called to do when I was walking out onto the pulpit and I got the same feeling I got walking out onto the NFL field. It was like nothing that he's ever experienced. And I, that's what I want to encourage you guys, that no matter what we're going through, God will never leave you nor forsake you. I know the main idea of this passage is to prove that Jesus is fully God and fully man. But also, I think it's equally about having storms in our life because we're going to have a lot of things where we'll be at that, at that bridge, so to speak, and God will tell us, keep on going, I'm with you. Even if it means ending up in prison like the Apostle Paul oftentimes was, the Apostle Paul oftentimes was in prison. And what blows my mind, if you look at like the book of Colossians, how literally he'd be, in, he'd be sending a letter to someone and it would literally be like, hey, I'm thanking you for your faith to a church he's never even met. So that's how I want to be in my life. I want to start sending letters to churches. I don't even know whether I'm in jail or not. I think God will take care of me. If you haven't accepted Jesus, now's your time. Um, definitely, like, I want to talk about Steve Bartman again. Definitely, like, Steve Bartman was definitely somebody who really struggled with, I think he was Jewish. I could never actually find if he was a Christian or not. But the things they did to him after he tried to reach for that ball, like everybody would have done if they were sitting there. They would have said, I can get a Chicago Cubs ball. I'm, I'm grabbing that for sure. But like the, people hated him. People said they were going to kill him. People threw debris at him. He, if you asked him, he would say his life was ruined. But Chicago, when the Chicago Cubs finally won the World Series, they gave him 
the, the World Series ring, and that was something that I thought was really honorific. And what is amazing about him is that in July of 2008, Bartman was offered $25,000 to autograph a picture of himself, and he declined. He declined to appear as a VIP at Wrigley Field in 2011, eight years after the incident. He declined to appear in an, in an ESPN documentary, and he declined a six-figure offer to appear in a Super Bowl commercial. So as you can see, all the money in the world can't make you happy. You look at people like Steve Jobs when, he's, when he was going through his trial and when he ended up passing, he had all the money in the world and he died alone in a hospital bed. So without Jesus, we are nothing. We are just lost. We are nothing. So I want to encourage you guys, if there's anybody who feels stuck out there or feels like they can't get through what they're going through, it's not true you can. Jesus Christ can get you out of any situation and I'm just so honored and blessed to be here and I know that my sermon was kind of short today, but I'm going to close this out in a word of prayer. And just before I do that, I want to remind you guys that no matter what trial comes into your life, Jesus Christ will never leave you nor forsake you. And don't ever turn away from Jesus, no matter coronavirus or how bad things, how bleak and, and just horrible things may seem, God will be with you no matter what. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I lift up this sermon to you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I hope to do many more in the future as I grow and get better at preaching. Thank you so much for this congregation to be so gracious to let me preach and teach in front of them. It's my biggest passion in the world that I, that I become a better preacher. And Dr. Spivey is just such a wonderful mentor of mine, and I have so much love and respect for him. Thank you, Jesus Christ, as, at, for dying on the cross for us and continue to lead, guide, direct, and protect us knowing that you can do exceedingly abundantly above all what we ask or think. Thank you so much, God, that people came through the storm outside. They might have felt like, I don't want to go to church today, but they came anyways and came to support me and this church. So thank, And it's not about me, God. It's about you and your word. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.